Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's a WNR417. It's AW Prelude, and I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by the person who is by my side for every WWE and or AW show. We know today it's Happy Jacksy. How are you doing? Hello. Happy Jacksy it is today. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it is, I don't want to call you Two-Faced, but you understand sometimes the <laughs> side of the coin, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, today is my good side. You get my good side today. <laughs> well, that's out. And, uh, and up next, or finally, as it were, a woman who would arm wrestle powerhouse Hobbs to be Ricky Starks' second. It's Gina. How's it going? Hello. Hello. I would totally win that arm wrestling as well. It's all about the eyes. It's all about the eyes and the mentality. I don't think people realise your upper body strength. You know, I don't say that as a joke. It's a statement of fact, you know. <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> but we haven't looked at AEW for a very long time. Not since Revolution. And doesn't that seem a long time ago, boys and girls? Uh, and what we say today, we have six episodes of Dynamite, Rampage to Review, and the Battle of Belts. But up first, a little bit of... Uh, and this broke, of course, in the past month. And Tony Khan talking about an army of bots. Now, basically saying that anybody that speaks negative about AEW is basically a computer bug, uh, which is written in. I could go into the details, but I think I would get more confused. Jaxi, has Tony Khan lost it? Um, I mean, I think it's a bit, it's a bit of a, a, a accusation right there. Um, you know, everyone's going to always have a, have opinions on multiple different companies, whether or not it's wrestling related or not. Um, I think that Tony's reading into this a bit too much. I think he's creating a few stories that, um, might not necessarily be true, but then again, I don't really know that much about bots and, and, you know, online bot, uh, trolling apart from, you know, they have numbers, they have lots of numbers normally just in their name. Um, no, I hope it's not true, like his his accusations. But yeah, it's just it's a bit of a weird accusation. <laughs> it, this is the problem. It's it's the guy saying it. You know when no one says anything, but they just look at each other and they go, "What, what did he just say?" You know, it's that kind of thing. He's going, yeah. he doesn't. I'm hoping he doesn't truly believe it. <laughs> Otherwise, therein lies the issue. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Basically, I mean, like I said, we'll keep we we'll keep abreast of the situation as we continue. But I thought we'd mention it. Another bit of news as well, and this is what Tony Khan was really happy about was AEW Dynamite and Rampage coming to NJPW World at no extra cost. So if you're in Japan now, you can watch Dynamite and Rampage, uh, which I think is great, especially if Japanese fans are trying to want to get into AEW. And also, I think you agree, Gina, it's expanding the global appeal of AEW, which is saying WWE has got, obviously, decades ahead of them. Oh, for sure. It also helps that they that some of the AEW stars have been on the, the New Japan scene and circuit because that will also entice more of, of the other countries and the other cultures to try and take in and be like oh wait i i know that person who was in this new japan match let me check it out 
So it, it's definitely much more appealing and they've got a lot more connections there to, you know, draw that audience in. Um, I definitely think that they're going to jump at that because who wouldn't? <laughs> I would. Yeah, without a doubt. And if the rumours are kind of true of what's coming up as well, maybe a joint show between New Japan and AEW, that's a great kind of like said exposure that for would Japanese be fans. The most ideal. That would be the most ideal thing to get. I totally would love for a crossover show between them both. But I wonder whether he's going to do a crossover with um, ROH as well and New Japan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of options. And there's a lot of wrestling. So let's get straight into it then. The Revolution Fallout, March 9th. And the show started with uh, Jericho, quickly followed by Eddie Kingston. He, uh, Eddie asked Jericho what haunts him. He threatened him from shaking his hand at Revolution. Jericho admitted he was wrong and shook Kingston's hand in time for 2.0 and Daniel Garcia to attack. Santana Ortiz rushed to the ring, made a save, only for Jericho to attack his inner circle teammates with a baseball bat. Jake Hager arrived, questioning Jericho's actions, for showed his true colours and joining in on the assault, introducing the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, uh, Jaxie, what did you think of this segment at the end of the inner circle? Um, I, I feel like we kind of all saw it coming, especially with the build-up um, towards sort of Eddie, Santana and Ortiz. Like, they had ma- made a lot of mentions beforehand about this. I think the one thing that I really do love about this, um, you know, growing feud is that I really love the sort of standoff between Eddie and Chris Jericho. So everything that they come out with, especially on the mic, is just, it's part entertaining and and part, you know, fictional reality, should I say, because I believe that Eddie Kingston believes all of this stuff is genuinely, like, real. Um, I still don't think that he realises that wrestling's not as real. (laughs) (laughs) He's just very very dedicated, you know? (laughs) This is a weird thing, I was going to say, because obviously, I, I mean, I watch Strong as well, which New Japan's kind of weekly show. And and usually with these, like you'll get Eddie Kingston on there, and he won't associate with any storyline or any. Could be a heel, could be facing different shows, but he was in a tag match with uh, Garcia and wouldn't leave him alone. And you start, I'm thinking, maybe he does really hate him. And again, it's it's like I said, it's Eddie managing to sell it, and you know Jericho just going from a yeah, group, yeah. group to a group as well. But Eddie there, uh, and like I said, it, it looks quite good to start off. And then we had the AEW World Title match as well which was Dante yeah. Martin versus Adam Page that was next with Page overcoming a valiant oh. effort for Martin shaking off a series of reversals and counters uh, and then a buckshot lariat full of win and a Cecil to title defence it was a great match with respect after Adam Cole interrupted called Page Victory Revolution a fluke and issued a challenge for a six man tag match teaser partners that Page knows better than he knows himself um, but about this world title match, well, I was a bit surprised it was right there. But Gina, how good can Dante Martin be? Because he's been fantastic this past year. Oh, for sure. He definitely, so he was definitely affected when his brother got injured because they were such a, a good selling point when they entered for being, you know, brothers, how in sync they were. They were really on it in terms of being able to shoot right to the top of the tag team circuit. But with that injury, it was either Dante's just going to kind of fall into the shadows and be slightly forgotten about or just be mid-cardy stuff. 
but he shone. He took that he took that limelight and he shone and he made his character an individual as well, you know. So it, even though it's so exciting to see that his brother is back now and the hype is still there, everyone is just so excited, even when it's just a singles match with Dante in. So he's yeah. definitely worked and used this time and this limelight so well to elevate himself. But not only that, it's kept top flight relevant. So when his brother did come back, that pop was still there. He wasn't forgotten, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he's done well. And I commend him for that. I really like him as well. Well, it's almost like a, blue, a blueprint of what to do if, like I said, unfortunately your partner does get injured in a you know, tag team to kind of, like I said, stay in the forefront. And now we're looking for success for top flight as well. And another tag team looking for success, John Moxley and Brian Danielson, because they faced uh, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, and they dominated an extended squash, unleashing hell on both. Uh, Moxley dropped Henry with a paragon shift, on the floor, the American Dragon stomped away the face of Drake and tapped him out to the bell lock. Tony Schiavone joined the victors and Regal in the ring for a promo. And Regal admitted that he knows he is not long for this world. He tearfully thanked Schiavone for helping him when he first arrived in the United States. He credited Danielson for joining AEW and put him over as the perfect wrestler. He put over his history with both competitors and said, now that his team is united, the rest of the AEW roster better step up or get stepped on. I mean, the strangest pairing in tag wrestling and, of course, Mox O'Brien there, but that was money. Regal's tears, and I know a lot of people complained it was too long, but he was speaking without a script probably for the first time in, like, 22 years. Um, Jaxie, what do you think of Regal? Because this is real emotion. I mean, I don't know if I'm just going to be a little bit uh, biased here, you know, being a fellow Brit myself, but I, too, like, did not, you know even think about the length of, of time that he took in the ring talking. Uh, for me, uh, I, I got emotional alongside him. Listening to kind of what he's uh, overcome, who's helped him along the way. It's just showing, uh, it's a matter of showing appreciation for where you are today. And I'm glad that we actually got that little bit from William Regal. You know, mm. he played a lot of behind the scenes stuff um, in NXT, which was always great anyway. Um, but, you know, he, he he wasn't always given that chance to shine. And even though he's not a wrestler anymore, just seeing him in the managerial position, position and especially managing like a tag team that I didn't even know I needed in my life, um, it, it just, it's, it's the perfect pairing or triple pairing, so to speak. Yeah, I, I will compare it, this pairing, I will compare it to uh, the new, Sp- I say the new Spider-Man movie, been out a few months now i didn't know i needed it in my life until i watched it it's exactly the same as yeah. mox regal and, uh, that's Brian. a very good analogy so, yeah, so, i don't i didn't know i wanted it but god i don't want to let go now uh we see yeah. pack squashing with a utah so i guess pack's hill again ftr dumped tully i was surprised but i will leave judgment considering what happened since and then Matt Hardy and Andrade met for a uh, HFO emergency board meeting uh, with Hardy's fell victim uh, to a beatdown by his teammates after being voted out. Darby Allen Sting made their way, but of course the numbers disadvantage. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Hardy to the iconic Hardy Boys theme music made his AWW by rushing to the ring. And making a save for his brother. 
Um, the baby faces stood tall to close out a segment. A sense of disbelief and distrust among them. I mean, fair play, Tony, for buying the rights to this song. And Sting was not happy to see Jeff. <laughs> that did <laughs> make me laugh. Was, um, I think he was just more hesitant. <laughs> he was just like, oh, I remember you. Well, this is the thing. Isn't it? But, I mean, Jeff Hardy in AEW is it's great and especially coming out to the Hardy's theme song as well it was a sight to see wouldn't you agree yeah um I, I I definitely feel like this this kind of um hits home a little bit for my sister and I considering uh a lot of the wrestling growing up uh for both of us consisted of not only tag team wrestling but it was majority edge and Christian Dudley Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy, and we just aspired to be them. So it's so nice to actually get a reunion. Obviously, we know that they see each other on their everyday lives as siblings, but see a Hardy Boys reunion, it was it was just really feel good, really fun to see. And yeah, I am really really happy. Thank you so much, Tony Khan, for paying for the rights to that song because it would have not felt the same if it was a different song. It really wouldn't have. Um, I don't think that Jeff or the Hardy Blues need to ever change their theme music. It's very iconic to them. And it's just like thinking that um, CM Punk is going to stop using Cult of Personality. It's just un- unthought of, you know? Yeah. No, really, really good stuff. And then Wardlow joined Tony Schiavone for an in-ring promo, dressing in the face of a revolution ladder match for his betrayal by MJF. The Wardlow admitted he grew up poor. And that taking a job of assault the offer of a lamb to get foot in the door and some money to support his family in need for financial stability did not give MGF an excuse to embarrass, humiliate, mistreat and berate Wardlow. He broke off business relationship and now he's free. His only focus is a TNT championship. AEW is Wardlow's world. Um, Gina, what did you think of Wardlow's first babyface promo? Because I actually think he did well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to go when I kind of first saw that we're possibly getting a babyface Wardlow coming because of this feud that's happening. I was like, how are we going to do this? Because as far as I know, I can only see Wardlow being a scowl face there and Jake Hager out, you know? So <laughs> I, I didn't know how how well it would come across. Um, but he did well in that first promo. I believe yeah, I'm on his side. I want Wardlow to get his his revenge, you know, and I think there's a hell of a lot of people who are also on Wardlow's side wanting to see him get that revenge finally and finally smack that smirk off of that idiot's face. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm behind Wardlow. I'm excited to see what more we're going to get from him because if he can pull this off and be- become a baby face, then he definitely has shown that he can do a variety of both, which is a great thing for a wrestler to have. There are some wrestlers that just need to either stay heel or stay face like MJF you should forever stay heel at least we yeah. know Wardlow possibly is able to pull off both sides possibly so we'll yeah, see yeah. But... yeah I mean that, that's an excellent point because the thing is with Wardlow even if people just want to see him beat MJF up and he might get a, you know negative reactions later on in the year they've got no it's not like Cody or anybody like John Cena they can just switch him back heel and we know like you said he's comfortable <laughs> but they can make money off Wardlow's well which should be available, Wardlow's Wells T-shirts. And if they want to call what they call his fans, Wardlow's Warriors. There you go. Nice and easy. See what I mean? Making money for AEW. 
Um, you know, <laughs> with alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt of that made. You see? Hey. <laughs> That's actually really clever. I think we should, like, anybody that appreciate that. <laughs> it needs to. Hey, um, so, so anyone listening, who, if you, if you want a WNR T-shirt, let us know in the comments. Let James know. Yeah. And, and again, I will try and get triple uh, xl stock in because that was our last misstep that were last time we did have some we didn't have the right sizes but i'm sure that will be sorted out and speaking of triple xl uh triple xl match next aw tag team championship drastic express versus the acclaimed we get a well time saved by luchasaurus preserving his team's reign even after having the hills boombox kicked back in his face luchasaurus and jungle boy still managed to score the victory and retain the titles to the delight of the fans. Now, I don't know about you guys, of Jaxie, with the acclaimed, I, I'm 100% a fan. I'm even going like, the, yo, yo, listen. Like, even when they come <laughs> I do exactly the same. I can't help myself. As soon as I hear Matt Castor, I'm like, listen. You know, it's, just, it's, it's quite catchy. I'm pretty sure that we've actually heard, it's either Tony or um, is it Taz that have actually you know, said it alongside him as well. So I think it's no, quite it's catchy. Big show. I swear it's Big Show every time. Oh, yeah, Paul yeah, White. Every time they come out, he always goes along with the yo, listen. <laughs> that was a really yeah. fun match. The number one contendership match, Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. Hirsch attempts to use an exposed turnbuckle. Red Velvet ride prevented from doing so. The fire thunder driver for the win. And then Tony Schiavone revealed Rosa will challenge Baker in a hometown San Antonio in a steel cage match. Um, I'll put crowd were a bit flat like they had been all night. Let's see if they picked up for the main event. TNT Championship match. Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky. Lambert Friday distraction. Van Zant laid out Conte at ringside who just came out. After Sammy had 6 verted himself through a table, Sky put Guerrero away with the TKO. And your new TNT champion, Scorpio Sky. What a reign this will be. I've just got a feeling. As the show went off the air, Van Zyant signed her contract. Gina, what did you think of this match and Scorpio Sky winning the TNT title? I was super, super happy for him. I definitely think it's about time like Scorpio Sky kind of got his time to shine. He's He's been so great even when he was part of SCU, but I definitely think that his single singles run needs a bit more of a, a bigger push. So giving him this TNT belt will, will definitely help elevate that, and he can hold it as well. He's definitely got his character down. He's good on the mic. He's great in the ring. So I'm excited to see like how his reign is going to go as TNT champ. Um, but the match itself was great because again, Sammy's a great wrestler as well, and they're both they both can work so good together and vibe off of each other. So the the match was really entertaining for me personally. I know that there are a few fans that are kind of disliking Sammy due to his personal circumstances, but I just think that people need to just stick with the story stop making more a mountain out of a molehill here it's not the scandal of the year it's not the only thing that we it's not something that we haven't seen or heard about in everyday life let alone in in some wrestler or celebrity's life 
So I think people need to stop their judgments a bit because it happens to everybody and anyone in this world. So, yeah, aside from that, it was a great match. Can't wait to see Scorpio Sky go further. Well, and again, we're bringing relationships into it. You know, it can change on a dime, as it says as well. So making T-shirts of Sammy and Ty might be good now, but in six months, God knows, you know. Yeah. Uh, but again... I, I, I... Again, yeah, I just I'm I'm just not a, a huge fan of uh, I've never really been a huge fan of bringing like relationships into wrestling. I know that they can happen, and trust me, I was a fan of Lita and Matt. I really was, but I also think like that there was like a continuous chemistry that we saw and a build up, and they naturally got into a relationship themselves. You know, for some reason, I think that the reason why things aren't really like warming to to either Sammy or Ty's side is that this relationship came out of nowhere, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to date anyone that they want, but is already in our faces when they've not even been a solidified couple for six months. You know, yeah. like this isn't like the same as having a tag match with Britt Baker and Adam Cole, who have been together for years. You know, so this is so new a relationship that they've not given anyone time to kind of like register that they're actually in a relationship and then all of a sudden we just get it forced on us with a shit ton of kissing yeah. we don't really need all that guys we don't, we just establish you in a relationship and that's it we, we we don't need you tonguing each other for a good seven minutes on our cameras like yeah, every but- week we we don't need it shoved down our throats, especially when they're doing that in the hotel rooms. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, exactly leave it. I'm <laughs> posting it on social media. Like, it's, it's enough to see it on social media. And don't get me wrong, I like their photos on social media. I think that they are a cute couple. But do I think that is quite early on in their relationship to already be establishing it in wrestling? Yeah. Yeah, well, right now I would have liked Sammy Guevara to do his sign gimmick, the advert before his match. I don't know what it is. I get very silly when I see Sammy. And I just want him to do that and be like, "Come on, you got match yeah. next anyway. It doesn't matter. Just promote it yourself." But like, I, I think, I think also the issue was just having sort of Ty Conti come out there and she's crying her eyes out like Sammy's being murdered in front of her or something, and. He was just having a normal match. It's not even like he was he's, taking he's, like he's been in matches like this before. You were with him. You've seen him in those matches before. He's fine. Like, the that came from her was a bit over the top. Like, yes, we get it. He's getting beaten up, but it's not like he was getting ganged up on. Yeah, well, he was in an actual match. Yeah, but I said some people have got problem with it. Some people haven't. But it will become a problem. And this is the problem with relationships in wrestling, as we've seen before. And, you know, again, Edge became a top-tier heel because of something like this. But it doesn't work every time. Uh, so exactly. we'll see what happens can't, there. Can't, but, like, take chance on that. Yeah, without doubt. We'll move on to Rampage, March 11th. We started with Darby Allen versus Mark Quinn. Darby won by submission, and the Hardys helped an attack from AFO. Jamie Hayter beat Mercedes Martinez, thanks to Britt Baker. The Kevin James of AEW was stopped by Lee, the limitless one that dismantled the factory, but Hobbs took out Keith. And in the main event, Swerve made his debut and beat Tony Nice, which was nice. Uh, Swerve has won 12 titles in 11 companies. I wouldn't bet against AEW Gold. I thought this was good stuff, but I don't know what you thought, Jaxie. I felt the episode felt a bit like an elevation or a dark. 
you know i i don't really more like a, a drama show if i'm being honest there were so many promos on that on that um card um just on dynamite for dynamite um but i just felt like we were getting like more storyline uh than actual wrestling yeah, it was a really, really weird week for that. We move on to Dynamite, 16th of March. We start with Hangman Page and Jurassic Express versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Uh, the match took its time heating up. The crowd came alive and the spots built on previous one until Cole loaded a boom on Jungle Boy for the hard-fought victory while Red Dragon fed the page for making a say. This was a great way to start the show. And of course, Gina, they teased the Bucks there. But are we just waiting for Kenny Omega to be fully fit to really start that feud? I mean, I don't know if we're waiting for the stories to kind of line up right before they bring that storyline in or for whether it's Kenny to be fully fit again. Me personally, I would want Kenny to be fit again and then bring that storyline in for when he returns because I just think that would be epic. And to be fair, me and Jax, we were watching some old school AEW and uh, Kenny stuff, um, just kind of when he turned into cleaner Kenny. And it was just, it was brilliant. I forget how much of a great performer he is. And I, I miss that on our AEW screens, especially because we now no longer have sort of Cody there. Like Kenny would be like the next big in my eyes. So to have him come back and then go into that storyline would be even more epic in my eyes. But again, I don't know whether they're waiting to elevate some storylines in which that could help coincide some of what they want to do or whether they're specifically waiting on him. But either way, I hope it's with Kenny. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we then had Regal join a commentary for Mox and Danielson versus Willie Utah and Chuck Taylor. Uh, we see a clinical approach concluded with a dream team of Mox and Danielson scoring the victory. But a great thing was Willie really Utah slapping Regal after, which I think was... I mean, Jackson, were you surprised? How dare he besmirch William Regal in that way? I didn't think he slapped Regal, did he? I thought Regal slapped him. Yeah, you're right. He did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He did that. I was going to say, I think it was the other way around. Well, fuck, I, fuck I, you I guys just said it, too, rather than emails. There was people by their keyboards then, ready to email <laughs> in. I'd be like, uh, James, you got your facts wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, I didn't. And just, no, um, but I did, I did actually commend Utah because Utah didn't just stand there and take it. He got in his face too, and that is exactly the type of um, ruthless aggression, shall we say, that um, uh, William Regal kind of looks for in the men that he represents. He wants to know that there's a spark and there's a fire between them. And if it needs, you know, William Regal to come in and get that animal out, then that's what he's going to do. And I think that he's noticed that within um, Utah and, you know, trying to say this as as respectful as possible, that's the best sort of thing that you could have received from Regal is a slap in the face because that means he's interested. That's an excellent point. Thank you very much for saving me there. Uh, Chris Jericho <laughs> then made a formal announcement, changing the names of 2.0 uh, to Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and dealt nicknames to Garcia, the mask of Red Death, and Hager Hand of the King for Ushering in the era of sports entertainment in AEW. <sighs> you know, uh, and then the TNT Championship match Wardlow versus Scorpio Sky. And Wardlow beat the P 
piss out of Sky in this matchup. I mean, honestly, if we're going to try and make him look like a serious champion, this uh, the story was more about MJF basically costing uh, Wardlow an opportunity. Um, Roll-up finish. I mean, what did we think? Gina, what did you think of Wardlow coming up short here? I know it extends the feud, but are we a little bit disappointed that he couldn't get gold? I mean... A, a little bit, yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I kind of knew this was going to happen. I didn't think, I didn't expect Wardlow to win it, especially so soon after Scorpio just got out. But I also expected there's going to be some tomfoolery. MJF is definitely getting himself involved because what Wardlow cost him, you know, it, it was inevitable. So I knew it was going to happen. It was, it was definitely gutting to see him lose, but I knew it was coming. And to be honest. I, I think it works out well because we can still always go back to Wardlow entering that TNT title um, title reign, you know, at some point later on down the line. So we didn't lose because he, he was losing to Scorpio, really. He was he lost because MJF decided to do what he does best. But for, for the roll-up pin, that did disappoint me a little bit. I get it that, like, you know, he was... Did he get hit in the eye or something like that by MJF? Or he got hit by the ring? Something like that. And then the roll-up. I mean, I just think that, like, Scorpio could have done his, like, finishing move and then, you know, got the pin over him. Because I I still think that, like, as much as AEW don't use roll-up pins as often as WWE, I still think that you're, you're still trying to elevate Scorpio's guy. You want him to still look like this really good, even though he was getting him his but handed to him in that match by Wardlow. You still want him to show that he's like, you know, has pride in himself, that he's like, oh, I don't care that MJF helped. I'm still going to do my special move and then I'll pin him rather than just go for the roll up. So that's the only thing that maybe disappointed me the most. But I knew Wardlow was going to lose it. Well, one thing that made me really happy was I know why they kept the second title belt and it's for Dan Lambert. And I've got no problem with that because Sky's not wearing it, you know. If Dan Lambert wants to do that, great. Well, he just looks like a fan, you know, who has his own yeah, like personal not... belt. Yeah, he, he definitely looks like he looks like that fan that brings their belts to the the you know to the show, which is fine. But you're not you're not you're not a fan, and also no offense, Dan, but you are not co TNT champion. Like you did fuck all to win that belt. Exactly. You haven't got you your did ass in, the in the ring. Exactly. What, what, so did you what did you contribute apart from your mouth? That sounds exactly. well, you some, know what I sometimes mean. a mouth is, is better, you know? Sometimes <laughs> being the mouth and just saying stuff. Yeah, but this guy's mouth is just just as good. <laughs> exactly. Well, like, if, would, we, if we're gonna do to that then we might as well get like a like a chat shit get banged belt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe Tony should actually invest in one of those because he has some great managers as it is. So they could all be in the running for best talker or something like that and just have I their own type of belt that way. I would love that. No, they need to, to win the belt. It would have to be dressed up as mascots in a race. And whoever wants can get the title belt and then that's how they decide every time. Um, well, we'll, be even more fun than the twenty four seven belt. Yeah, and that is so much fun. Well, the Hardys yeah. made their first appearance in tag team action at AEW, squaring off for a private party in the hot tag to Jeff, 
drew one of the loudest reactions of the night. And moments later, the charismatic enigma, it's been a long time since I said that, paid their love and support off with a swanton bomb in a match that may not lived up to expectations, but still strong. Uh, Sting and Darby helped the faces after. Um, and this is crazy when we think about the Hardys now on their full run in a third different promotion. You know, we talk about Hardys back of being TLC back in the day, the broken Hardys and Impact, the WWE return that we had, and now AEW. We're not forgetting about Jeff's world title reigns. The Hardys, Jaxie, have been around for years, obviously. That, why have they still got the connection with the crowd that a lot of other wrestlers lose? I think um, overall they've, you know, if we if we discuss sort of them growing up in in this business, they have solidified their own sort of legacy, uh, so to speak. Like we wouldn't have tables, ladders, or chairs matches without them. Um, I also think that um, the Hardy Boys are, are the type of wrestlers that a lot of people can relate to. They have a bit of a natural um, enigma, so to speak, about them that. They can, they, they can really um, show how humble they are as natural characters. So it's easier for fans to relate to, um, to also warm to and enjoy seeing a lot more. Um, I think in general, they they have that sibling, uh, that uh, having your own sibling in there kind of creates like a better, better uh dynamic when working together in the ring and the way that these two work with each other is like the trust is completely there and considering when you think of extreme roles or anything extreme you would think of the Hardys like you you need nothing but trust and I think if anything fans can even take away um, like the, the sort of lesson of trust in trusting your partner trusting that person that you've chosen to be your tag team um, so yeah they, they've impacted siblings as well as just best friends um and and you know close-knit friends uh they've impacted them more and anyone could relate to them well this is the thing and i even remember you know when well when i was younger you know you watch wrestling with friends and then you're the only one that kind of keeps watching after a while but it's you know you pick up wrestlers and especially like tlc and i was always like edge and christian and all the other mates mm. would like the hardies and i i, I didn't know why like even People that don't watch wrestling watch it. I don't know if it's because of the high flying antics or whatever it was. There's a connection of like Hardys. Yeah, we like them. And when you can get that, it's worth all the money in the world as well. And speaking of all the money in the world, yes, another segue, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thunder Rosa putting, well, wanting what she wants more than anything. The AEW Women's Championship going against Britt Baker, DMD, in a steel cage match well we got steel chairs bloody foreheads thumbtacks and they all served as callbacks to the previous lights out contest between the two the implementation of those instruments of agony coupled with an escalation intensity made for another extraordinary encounter between two for the most talented women's wrestlers in the world it was rose's thunder driver in the tax that includes an emotionally filled contest that gave fans a happy ending they saw not even a full face of paint can hide the emotions that painted roses rained down from the San Antonio's new champions adopted hometown, but next opponent on a nearly perfect executed main event presentation. There was so much to like about this. And that was just the entrances. The Mariachi band. Come on, boys and girls. 
Um, Gina, <laughs> what did you think of this match? I mean, the match was awesome, just as you explained it. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's definitely worth watching. They have great chemistry together. I, one thing that kind of deflates me a bit is, you know, we had this tag, uh, tag, um, this championship match, like, what, a week or two before? Yeah. And Thunder Rosa lost. And Thunder Rosa sort of won the next tournament so that she could get a, a rematch and get the belt back. I, I don't see why they did that. The only reason that I can think of is that they wanted Brit to be holding the newer designed belt that they introduced that night of the first championship match between them. But it just doesn't make sense to me. I just didn't feel like it made sense because it was just a regular dynamite that she won it on and that was a pay-per-view that she lost it to. Do, do you see what I mean? So yeah, I, I, it just didn't make sense. I had a feeling she was going to win this match because they wouldn't do two matches so close within each other without the belt being changed at some I, point. I completely agree. And I, because I did go Baker with addictions, uh, again, it's not like I haven't got a problem with it. But I, I think the thing is, like I said, losing the pay-per-view and then having... She beat Layla Hirsch to be number contender. Like, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, and again, maybe it's Tony Khan just, you know, saying, well, you can have your pay-per-view spot, but you're going to have a steel cage match here. I mean, it was Thunder Rose's hometown in the main event. I suppose, you know, you could argue what was a better moment, but at least she yeah, got Maybe Thunder Rosa wanted to win it in her hometown rather than on a bigger pay-per-view event. Um, it could have been multiple factors. So yeah. knowing the reasoning, but that just... For me, that kind of just made the match feel a little bit, uh, just a slight bit underwhelming because I just had a feeling Thunder Rosa's going to win this because they're not going to do two losses so close mm-hmm. together yeah. to her because that's just like cutting all of the elevation that they've been doing for Thunder Rosa for so long. So um, that that's the only thing that I'll say is that was un- underwhelming about the match. The rest of the match itself was amazing to watch. They both did really great in the ring gave us such a great main event and I'm really pleased that she, she won the belt but that yeah. was the only disappointing factor for it. Well you know me, I'm weird and one of the things that really annoyed me in this match was the blue lighting on the crowd because the way the camera was, it looked like the arena was empty and when you think it's meant to be hometown meant to have a huge, you can hear the crowd you just can't see them I don't know some layout, you know, little cell but just sort the camera out. If you've got a full crowd, show it. The reason why WWE do all these camera tricks is because they've only got basically two sides. If you've got the whole three or four sides, then fucking show it. Because otherwise it looks silly. And that, I mean, probably no one else looked, you know, saw that. But for me, it was just like, it took me off a little bit. Because it's like, this is the main event. You want it to look as good as humanly possible. And I think the match was good. But I wanted more match, if you know what I mean. I think they've just like... Okay, right, well, thumbtacks and stuff and stuff and stuff. But I think these two can have a fantastic match. And I don't think we've seen that yet. We don't need hardcore stuff. Just one-on-one wrestle, you know? Agree. But I think that's going to happen uh, down. I didn't I didn't notice that, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. So if I did notice that, then I would be on the same page as you. Yeah. It's just one of the things. But we're moving. Page on the 18th, Derby beat the Butcher by count out. Hardy's returned the favour from Dynamite with new merch. 
Uh, Red Velvet beat Legit Lady Hirsch thanks to Statlander. House of Black obliterated Frago and Bear Country. Just give us a trio titles now. Just give House of Black Seriously. something to do. Is it that difficult? Yeah. I don't understand what Tony's sitting on because there's definite, there's um, some real definite um, uh, hinting going on with the amount of trios that he's either creating within the company or trios that he's bringing in together. And yeah, House of Black really needs some titles because they every time they come on on screen, uh, they are captivating. They're enticing. I want to continue watching them more. I want to just see them, them them get let loose, you know? And I feel like there will be so much more of a of a drive to see a lot more trios action if there were trios belts. Um, and if you're going to do trios belts, put them on House of Black first. Mm-hmm. They're the best group to put them on first. Yeah. And it gives them meaning and direction, which is so important. And people have a go at WWE for this with wrestlers just being called up with nothing to do. Have have the goal at the end, you know. Have something to work towards. Uh, the main event of Rampage was Keith Lee again, a guy I know he's feuding with Hobbs and Ricky at this moment in time. But at this moment, I'm maybe expecting a little bit more. Uh, beat Max Max Caster. Um, the acclaimed are so entertaining. That's what I just my notes in this, which just so good. Uh, Hobbs and Ricky joined for beat down till Swerve came out, and then March twenty third, Dynamite. And CM Punk battled Dax Harwood in an honest-to-goodness match-of-the-year contender. I mean, bring back 70s wrestling. Uh, Harwood looked every bit of Punk's equal, but the Anaconda Vice managed uh, to tap him out. Gina, this was just pure wrestling. I just spoke about it with Rosa and Baker. These two just wrestled. Yeah, for sure. It was so good just to sit and watch. You couldn't take your eyes off this match, like, every single move that they did they were both executing so well and it just it just felt super old school in terms of all the grappling and you know the countering of the moves and it was it was just so great and it just reminds you just how great like me and Jaxie have been talking about this the past few weeks actually how great FTR are and how just Mm. underutilized they were in the other company they really were because every time I see them I'm just impressed and it, you can't it, really it, get a bad match out of them, can you? Well, no. The, the thing is, and, and I completely agree, and, and one of the reasons I've, I've heard FTR speak before, and even in NXT, and they do something no other tag team does, where they ask them, like, what's your big moves? What's your comebacks? What moves do you want to hit? And they go, no, what do you want to get in? They go, no, we want to make this match as good as possible. So it's like with the Bucks or anybody else involved. What do you do? We can add to it, but we want to have everything in there. And when you think of maybe other tag teams of like, no, we're doing this. This is what we want to do. And that's why FTR just, like you said, it's, it's, they've blossomed. You know, this AEW prelude, we're going to watch them blossoming. And I know that sounds a bit, you know, whatever, but it's true. No, I agree, um, both with yourself and with Tina. And the one thing that I will just add is that um, this is how you can actually tell that FTR are very strong in contenders for being known as one of the best tag teams in the world. And it is because the the multitude of matches that we've gotten from FTR since joining AEW, whether or not it be them in singles matches or tag matches, and not one match has actually failed to amaze me. 
like each match that FTR are in are is absolutely incredible. And what's incredible about it is how good FTR make the other teams look. Even if they're winning that match, they still make their opponents look amazing and come out on top, yeah. even if they do win. Um, is they've just got such a natural talent, and you can also just see how careful they are with some of their moves in the ring. You know, protecting net. Um, watching out for certain spots to make sure that they're able to catch them and things like that. FTR are just, um, uh, they're just multi-talented in so many ways. Uh, they just make me excited to tune in each week to see what they're going to get up to next. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, completely agree. And then we move on. We've got a wild chaotic eight man today. The tag match pitted Sting, Darby Allen, and the Hardys against Andrade's family office, which is a private party to butcher and a blade and this match had jeff's with his first aew dive uh, and the good guys won uh gina what do you think of jeff going up that ladder and that dive took you back 20 years didn't it <laughs> not i'm saying that you're oh, that old sure. i'm not i mean god i'm not saying you're that old i don't want to get in trouble <laughs> i'm not i mean you wouldn't remembered it but you know no, for sure. It definitely gave me such like nostalgic vibes just to see the boys together again. And that match was just great. We knew that they were going to vibe and work well with Sting and Darby as well because all of their styles are very similar and there's obviously history there with Sting. But yeah, it, it was just amazing. Just wowed me. Couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I, mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's always fun to watch. Uh, Jeff put his life on the line as it was. You just think, bloody hell, it's crazy. I've been watching it. Was really cool to hear, though, that that was Darby's, Darby's idea to do that move. So it was really cool to just hear that from. I, I don't know where I heard that from. Maybe a YouTube page, but yeah, Probably it was Monty. cool to hear that. You know what Monty's like. Mr. Neverall, yeah. Well, we got the newly christened Blackball Combat Club. Uh, Mox and Brian made short work of the varsity blondes. Regal's been a godsend on commentary. He's not a manager. The goal must be the end game, but they will enjoy be- beating people up along the way. Jack's think of the Blackpool Combat Club because we probably don't get me wrong. What do you think first? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I thought he had um, introduced it as the Blackpool Combat Club, and I was like, why is he naming it after a snooker ball? Um, obviously said the second time I realised he's saying Blackpool Um, I think it's quite a is is a unique uh, terminology is a unique name for the group would I have given them something different something a a bit more catchier something more shorter yes Um, but considering it's coming from William Regal I am not going to argue what do you think it's a case of because we're English or British as it was, and Blackpool, you go, Blackpool, what? Uh, whereas the Americans go, hey, that's a fancy name, Blackpool. Like, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Probably. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, I mean, why Blackpool? <laughs> I get it, I get it, but, you know, for, for us Brits, we probably are just like, why you know whereas yeah to the americans i think it probably would come across a lot cooler <laughs> well it'd be better if their tag team was like the towers or something like that you know like maybe you can blackpool do it or something like that but i don't know uh yeah. anyway quickly moving on mjf cut a promo on wardlow refusing to release tracks and um, referring to him as a pig 
I own you, he exclaimed with a venomous vigour of the vilest villain in the business, revealing Wardlow works for him and not AEW, then telling Wardlow telling Wardlow with pain to sit home long enough he will fade into obscurity. Uh, Wardlow came out, security restrained them. This was just a building block. Um, so, again, very, very interesting to see what happens there. And then we get two top five single stars in AEW battle in a damn good, highly competitive match of money fans. While they once measuring sticks in Ring of Honor, it was Adam Cole uh, versus Jay Lethal. And Cole benefited from Red Dragon's interference, delivering a low blow and putting him away with the boom. Um, I'll ask you, Jaxie, with Adam Cole, is is a low blow and a boom getting a bit too much, or is that just your shtick? Um, I mean, I think the low blow is his shtick, for sure. Um, I think that the boom has just been ultimately made famous by the fans. So, I mean, I don't get bored of it. I still still end up doing it. Um, But then again, I'm probably one of the hugest fans of Adam Cole's, um, whether or not it's from a gaming point of view or even just from a wrestling point of view. Um, I just love what he does in the ring. So I, I don't ever, I've not ever looked at it like, I, okay, I'm bored by this now, you know? Well, it's just that, uh, you know, just to the low blow and then hitting his finisher like that rather than just kind of beating the guy clean. Does he need to cheat or is it just kind of getting that character of, he probably doesn't need I to think cheat. That's his he just likes it. I yeah. think, yeah, I feel like um, I feel like Adam Cole gets a lot of satisfaction out of ending things the way he does at the moment. So uh, yeah, I think that he's kind of turning it into his like heel shtick right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of don't have an issue with it because I, I kind of like this this trick ass persona that he's he's playing about with at the moment. Um, you know, that being said. It, Say, for example, you know, a year later he's gone face and then he goes back heel and he's doing the same shtick again. I think that's what will kind of solidify it as being sort of decent. Um, you know, like it is very easy for any wrestler to kind of do that move in order to solidify them going heel. But Adam Cole is like, you know, repetitively doing it as a heel. So, you know, we'll we'll see what it's like and whether or not that sort of becomes one of his many facades. Um, <laughs> he might just come out and say he hates bollocks. Like we just don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah, you took it. You've taken real personal issues with yeah. every other man's bollocks, and he's like, "You don't deserve them. You don't, you don't deserve them. You don't deserve them." Boom. I am the bollock collector. I am. <laughs> oh my gosh! Imagine, imagine if he nicknamed himself. I love it if he, if he became that. I really would love it if he became that character. <laughs> if he doesn't, I'm going to be disappointed. You know, I really, really am. Yeah, there's a slight yeah. disappointment there now. Yeah. Well, uh, there was disappointing for, uh, of course, the AEW champ as Adam Cole stole the title as well. And then we get former TNT champion Sammy Guevara take on to call that Dan Lambert. Um, basically, this segment came down to one line from Dan Lambert, which is worth it. And if your parents give you an extra nine ninety nine a month, you can subscribe to Page Van Sant's fan page and find out why Orange Cassidy keeps his hand in his pockets all day. That was basically the highlight. Moving on. <laughs> Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. 
Uh, Hirsch resorted to cheating late in a competitive match using a piece of turnbuckle to flatten Velvet and scored a tainted victory. And Statlander saved Red from the same beatdown. Um, we've seen a different side to Statlander. Um, again, this is quite a big question, but I don't mind the darkness from Statlander. But the women's division, I'm feeling these feuds and stories are just not given enough time. Is that too easy for me to say? Or even looking back at it now, like this should have been maybe given a little bit more time. We should be seeing other feuds developing as well. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you on that front. Um, uh, Gina and I were actually just saying this, um, you know, a few weeks ago that even though what what we get when it comes to wrestling content for the women is good, at the same time, um, it, it's it's all, always felt rushed. Um, it's always uh, just kind of felt like um, it's just there um, because Tony's just gone, right, go. Like, this versus this, this person versus this person. We need to create a feud. Let's go. You know? Um he he needs to put a, a lot more dedication into it. You know, you know the dedication like um that we saw come from the whole build up of seeing Hangman Page, you know, going on a, a downward spiral um of you know just constantly drinking, losing his matches, you know, and he worked his way back up. That's you know long time story building. We're not asking for that with every single female dominated match. But what we are asking for is if you're going to give us a feud, then give us a feud. I think that's the thing, you know, and, and it's even like up next on Dynamite as well, a promo, a scheduled promo with Thunder Rosa promoting all night was interrupted by Nyla Rose and Vicky before the champ could say anything. And I know Tony Khan put Thunder Rosa promo the, the following week after the backlash, but you can't do it all the time. You know, you can't just be like, oh, fucked up, there you go. Because after a while, it's like, why do you keep doing it in the first place? But... Then again, uh, I think that's a discussion for another day. The main event uh, was the underrated excellence of Silver and Reynolds combined uh, against Jericho and Garcia, where Garcia tapped Reynolds out with a sharpshooter. People were saying that Garcia was using a sharpshooter 25 years to the day that Bret Hart used to defeat Steve Austin by KO at WrestleMania 13. I just think it was a coincidence. Uh, (laughs) Jericho... Trying to build stars. But for me, this wasn't a main event level match. You know, Gina, we've talked about the stuff that happened in Dynamite and Rampage. And then they're going to give us, no offence to Silver and Reynolds or Jericho Garcia. But this is not a main event match. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I actually personally love the Dark Order. I love all the individual characters and I love them as tag and a group. But sometimes I do feel like they're just used to slot in and just to make matches. Um, they don't sometimes slot into the storylines. It's just, oh, you're there. You're you're randomly there because you happen to be friends with another person who's involved with this feud. So it's just, um, yeah, I feel a little bit like they're starting to become a bit filler, um, which isn't great. Don't get me wrong, they're still really popular. They've got a lot of fans behind them and there are so many people who love watching them wrestle. But in like lately, it does seem to be a bit of a filler case for them. Mm-hmm. So it did feel a bit random on them being in this main event match. Like, why is this 
coming in. Yeah, it just seems I agree. Bit... I feel like they just. I feel like they need more purpose. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think without a doubt, I think this is a problem sometimes, and it's like you build up a big dynamite or whatever it is, and then you forget about one. You know, and, and I think we're seeing it. Uh, you know, a little bit bits and pieces here. Uh, we move on to Rampage, March 25th. Dustin Rose, 52, beat Lance Archer, who slowly uh, migrated to Dan Lambert. But I think the funny thing here was Dustin, 6'6", was nearly the same size as Archer. I mean, I forget how big Dust or Dustin Reynolds actually was. Um, again, not a bad way to get uh, get done. Uh, a, a complete stupid, well, I say stupid idiot, as Jericho would say, Fuego del Sol calling out House of Black. What did you think was going to fucking happen? They arrived. What an idiot. I mean, who thought? <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? I mean, Sammy Guevara is probably too busy with Tay to actually say anything to Fuego. Be like, you're doing what? Um, they splattered him. Uh, the dark, dark order. I mean, he could have easily... He could have easily just looked at, you know, the time that Dante Martin called out the House of Black and been like, nope, no, I'm not going through that. Nope, I'll keep my mouth shut. But no, instead he decided, I'm going to do exactly the same as Dante. I just don't, I just don't understand why. Uh, five and ten lost to Red Dragon. Adam Cole sold the tag titles. Rose squashed a young woman by the name of Maddie Renikowanski in less than a minute. Uh, and then we saw QT Marshall bring out Hook to present him with a certificate of accomplishment. Um, Hook didn't like that. He attacked Aaron Solo and left. Dan Housen tried to curse Hook, but his powers had no effect. Gina, you come around to Dan Housen yet? No. <laughs> well, the main. I event... mean, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get his character. I mean. Uh... Jaxi has explained a lot more about him to me now, so I do get his character, and I, I do see why people are entertained by him. But I'm just... I mean, I, I don't mind when his segments end, because I kind of forget what he just did. Yeah, they're not doing <laughs> a lot that with way. him. They're not doing a lot with him at the moment. They're not trying to really, get that no. crazy... Um, you know, they're going to have the... Um, Odd, odd partners, you know, with him and of course Hook as well. So that'll that'll be something, I suppose. And the main event saw Swerve challenge Starks for the FTW Championship, the biggest title in AEW. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs was his teammate's corner while Strickland showed up all alone. Hobbs attacked Swerve while the ref had his back turn. This allowed Starks to hit his finish for the win. Keith Lee came down to break up the celebration. Uh, we will get Lee and Swerve versus Hobbs and Starks at some point, and that match should be good. And I, Gina, I don't know if it's you, but I thought Starks looked excellent. And I don't know if I'm falling for him as well. I think you've started saying here, and I'm really worried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Starks. Hey, you better going, back off, okay? No, get going, get to the back of the line. I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I'm like, no, wow. No, to be yeah. fair, I... I actually have been saying like this to Jaxi as well. Like we all forget that he's come back from a neck injury as well. And he looks so good. And I'm not saying this just because I'm biased towards him. He just looks so good in the ring at the moment. So, and it's definitely, he has a charm about him. He has this charm. He's a bit like MJF. I don't think he should ever be a face. He should always remain here and just be this arrogant asshole, you know, but 
he he's so good like he's charming he's got he's got the swag to like talk talk the mic but then he's also smashing it in the ring and he's come back from a neck injury as well that's not easy to do and to look as if he's that good so yeah fair play to him because he's definitely put in the work to come back well i don't want him smashing him in the ring but i'm I'm looking and i'm starting to think you know what i think ricky yeah i mean i might might be part of this fan club as well uh, we move on March 30th, oh, Dynamite. <laughs> what have you done? CM Punk versus Max Caster. Yeah. Uh, Punk laughing and grinning after Caster's pre-match rap. Uh, I wondered how long it would get to Will Smith reference. He didn't wait long, did he, said Tony Schiavone. Uh, Punk, <laughs> <laughs> Punk won with the Anaconda Vice. And Punk wants the championship. Um, backstage, FTR told MJF there may be issues between him and Wardlow, but they are friends with both guys. Scarf and Hill reassured them all is well because when you're in a pinnacle, you're all on top. Uh, Moxley beat Jay Lethal in a really competitive, hard-hitting match. FTR beat Gun Club. Uh, good to see FTR turning face when we mentioned them earlier. And Wardlow exploding into the arena, laying out security and getting dangerous close to MGF before being cut off by more guards. The crowd popped huge. Um... And a backstage phone from the Jericho Appreciation Society gave way to an explosive brawl between the Hill faction returning Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. The Hills came out on top and whipped Eddie. And then Danielson versus Willie Utah. Utah counting out the cattle mutilation drew a huge ovation from the crowd. Advised Utah spit in the face of Danielson. A great visual that preceded a vicious stomp into the face by his opponent. But Jackson, you've got to love the act of defiance by Willie Utah. And like we said, this has not been just one and turn. This has been, as we've looked back now, gradually over a couple of weeks to this point of defiance. Exactly right what you said there. I mean, the the, the one thing that I can sort of um, say that I really enjoy about Wheeler is that I feel like there is this uh, pent-up personality that's not actually come through yet. It's very intriguing to kind of see this potential um, collaboration alongside both Brian Danielson and John Moxley. Uh, again, those two are two wrestlers that have got so much tremendous talent that I didn't actually realise that I needed them together. And just seeing this interaction in the ring between Utah and uh, Danielson, gosh, they th- they went hard in that match. And it was amazing to see. It was lovely to actually even hear the crowd going wild, not just for Danielson, but for Utah as well. He really deserved a lot of the praise that he was getting uh, throughout the match because he held his own against someone who's practically been debated as to whether or not he's the best in the world, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. And one of the greatest of all time. So you think about what uh, Brian gave Utah in that matchup, uh, just, you know, through offense and everything like this, it really does show that they've got faith in him. We had a bit of a disappointing segment next. We had Nicole, Bobby Fish and Carla Riley held, holding a championship celebration um, where just got interrupted and just ran away, left the titles in the ring. I mean, there weren't really much, much else, I suppose. Uh, we then get AEW's champion Thunder Rosa for the promo she didn't get the week before. Uh, and then the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament, because AEW does love a fucking tournament, uh, kicked off with a bunny... Squaring off with AEW's newest signee, yes, Tony fucking Storm. And the Aussie entered a thunderous ovation and ran through the bunny. Of course, former Mae Young Classic winner, former NXT UK 
women's champion and Storm with the emotional thank you to the fans at ringside. It reflected a woman who needed that reception to remind her that she was still a major player in the sport. She probably lost some passion, as most wrestlers do. But uh, Gina, it's great to see someone as talented as Tony Storm uh, get... <laughs> Get a chance in AEW, wrestle once on Dynamite, and then probably see her on Dark. But in all in all seriousness, it's great to see Tony Storm. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think I think me and Bakti had our own little personal bet on who it was going to be, and I guessed Tony Storm. So I was super excited. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was going to be Ember Moon. Yeah, no, I got I got it right. So I was super happy to just have a win over Jaxley for once. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I was super pleased to see Tony Storm. And as soon as she came down, I literally said to Jaxley, I really want them to do a big, massive, long-term storytelling feud between her and Jamie Hayter. And I don't know why, but I just had a feeling that's it. You know, Jamie Hayter and and uh tony storm are gonna have a great feud so i'm excited yeah. that she's here and do you know it what like, it's one of those matches it's one of those matches this where we didn't realize that we wanted to see these two go off against one another until yeah. it actually until she actually joined aew and i must admit yeah. as well she looks so good i mean don't get me wrong I'm, i kind of miss how juicy her booty used to be and her booty is still juicy now but like she's lost so much weight she looks very good and just you know fair play to Tony because um it's very easy like you said James to be able to uh you know take uh leave a company and maybe lose your passion a bit but she's come back and she came back with such a roaring crowd uh she's definitely not done when it comes to wrestling definitely not it was so nice to hear and I'm also going to give a quick little shout out to Ali um aka the bunny because she always makes people look good in the ring and she does lose like a lot of her matches but it, it never seems to harm her and she always comes out with that same mentality and she holds her own in the ring you know and she she helps elevate other people so fair play to Ali yeah without a doubt and then the main event Darby <laughs> Allen versus Andrade and no one takes a better ass kicking than Darby Allen uh saying so that was on display early and often in the main event experience from Jose the Butcher, the Blade, proved to be a difference as El Idolo capitalised on the distraction and the biggest win of his AEW run this far. And this, I think, has been the best Andrade has looked in AEW. There's a great exchange uh, for slaps between the two. But Derby loses another big one. And again, is it a case of there's just too much talent? You can't please everybody. Andrade gets the biggest win of a- in AEW because he needs it. And Darby Allen just can't win a big match recently. Uh, Gina, what do you reckon? What do I reckon about Darby winning matches? Well, is there a problem with Darby losing matches? Or can he recover from that? Or is, I mean, is I it... think he can recover. He's built up such a big rapport, especially since the beginning of AEW, because he has been on there from the beginning. And he's just elevated himself a lot throughout that whole beginning phase as well. So... Some AEW fans who may not have tuned in to the very beginning of the shows possibly didn't see how well Darby did from the minute he joined. But we've seen that lot. So I think him taking a few losses here and there, in my eyes personally, I don't think it affects or hurts him in any way because he's been a champ twice 
you know, and I think he's also helping to elevate other people while still getting elevated with Sting. So as much as he may take losses, I think he still gets good wins. I think I have to agree with this on this. Um, I I honestly don't think that taking a loss here and there um, will affect him because he's he's so goddamn popular. You hear his music and like everyone is is screaming for him. Even I go a little fangirl because if I am still a huge fan of Darby's, I think he can afford to take these losses. I think Andrade really did need the win. Um, oh my gosh, first of all, the match was amazing between those two. I would happily sit there and watch another match between both of them. Uh, they both worked so well together. And Darby just made Andrade look good. And Andrade is good. But we've not seen that level of good in AEW yet. And we're finally just getting a chance to see it now. So I think that this run needs to actually be a good one for Andrade rather than the likes of Darby Allen and and. Uh, you know, others like Matt Hardy and stuff. Andrade needs this more than they do. Um, and that's not me saying that Andrade's not good, but he's not had the best of pushes since joining. So right now, um, he's just had like this big win. And I would like to see that momentum keep going, you know? This is the issue with it. It's like my, my thing with Derby is that he's not won a singles match on pay-per-view, I do believe. He lost to CM Punk, of course, at All Out last year. The following pay-per-view lost to MJF in singles action. Yes, he, oh, he won. He won the TNT title from Cody. But he wins. And that was he that wins but this is what I'm saying. He wins with Sting. And that TNT championship run, I look at Sammy Guevara now and, and Scorpio Sky with a TNT title. And I think when Derby Hallen had it, it was a special championship. And I don't know if it was just because of the title or the wrestler as well. And like I said, Alan's got this, this great connection with the crowd. But I really think there's, like I said, the, the future is there and the present is there to kind of build them as such. The only issue with Andrade winning this one, and again, I may be wrong, but Dynamite have set up a coffin match between him and Andrade, which Derby won't lose. So again, it's fifty. I mean, yeah, 50 you never know away. because, but you never know because AEW do like to throw a curveball and like you know what? What if they do decide actually? Do you know what? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of have Darby go on this losing streak and he's going to like try and beat Andrade at his own match and yet he still loses it. Like, what does that do for them then? So you never know. That being said, more than likely you're right, and it's just gonna be fifty fifty booking. But I, I I'd like to think that like. You know, they're going to, these these wins and losses count in terms of, you know, their overall score and where they go in terms of uh, challenging for a title. So I'd actually like to think that they're building Andrade up to a potential um, title challenge. Uh, and I think that if, if they are going down that route, then he needs to win that coffin match. It'll be interesting because at the moment, I can't see Andrade at double or nothing unless it's a battle royal or ladder match, I can see Sting and Derby versus the Hardy Boys. So it'd be interesting to see what way cool. they go with that. But we'll carry on and Rampage April 1st. We've got Top Flight versus the Young Bucks. The Bucks won, but Top Flight looked awesome. Um, now, Gina, this might be silly of me to say, but this was a great match. And there are too many good teams in AEW. So... Should we have another set of tag team titles? I know we've got the AAA. I know we've got Ring of Honor. I know AEW. But honestly, there could be like a, a cruiserweight. Do you know what I mean? The amount of tag teams that could 
Seeking yeah. how gold is crazy. I mean, they could do some sort of cruiserweight tag titles or something because even though they do have the AAA and the ROH tag belts, they're not exactly defended or storylines on any of the AEW shows. So with the amount of tag teams that they have, they definitely need to put something else out there. Um, top Flight, they they just continue to amaze me. Like their energy and stamina, the way they're able to keep up with such veterans like the Young Bucks is just is, is so amazing to see because we do see tag matches out there with the Young Bucks versus other tag teams who are also just as good, but they're, they're veterans or they've been in it a long time. And their matches are nowhere near this on the level of this match between Top Flight and the Young Bucks. Like, that could have been a pay-per-view match in my eyes, you know, that just at chucking a stipulation here or there, and that could have been a, a wicked pay-per-view match. So I, I definitely think that we need to do some more for the tag team division in terms of not just one set of tag belts. We do need another set coming in at some point because there's so much they could do with storylines. I'm still itching for them to do various different storylines. and We're going to get it, but it's just as and when they decide to introduce it, I guess. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, we get American Top Team in the ring. You want it now, Tony. You want them now. <laughs> we get American Top Team in ring promo, Sammy and Tay destroy Hill's car. Uh, they will be Hills by the end of the year. Uh, Dan's feud with Cody moves to Sammy. Uh, looks like we may be getting Hook and Downhausen together as well. House of Black, Muller, D. Bruno, Stu Grayson and Frego. Was there any doubt? Jamie Hayter beat Sky Blue. AEW just shoved it quickly in. It's a women's match. Only needs five minutes. Did we know Ricky Starks lived in Wolverhampton for three months? Hey, did we know that, Gina? We would have gone, wouldn't we? If, if we did he actually? Yeah, yeah, that's what the commentary said. When he was training to be a wrestler, he lived in Wolverhampton for three months. I miss oh, my shit. opportunity, guys. I miss my right. opportunity. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back, and when he comes back, we'll shove, shove you in his face. He's got nowhere else to look. Yeah, if that doesn't yeah. work, we'll do we'll Gina. That, that's, we'll do one or the yeah. other. Jaxie's <laughs> yeah. not going to hear the end of this now for the next couple of months. That's all she's going right, to get. Yeah. Me yeah. talking about my missed window. <laughs> well, it happens to us all, but uh, powerhouse Hobbs refused to be disrespected. Henry in a pre-match interview, John, the spotlight, Keith Lee was gifted. Imagine the triple threat of powerhouse Hobbs Keith Lee and Mark Henry. That would just be <laughs> so, so much. That would be insane. Do you just want to take all the money I have right now for that, please? Just give it to me. <laughs> well, we did get no, Hobbs. I mean, you know what? I am, I am itching to have Miro come back because imagine the, the, the type of matches that we could have. Even a triple threat between those three would be amazing. Yeah, without a doubt. Miro just needs to come back, no matter what. I yeah. don't care. Like, just Where get... he is, but can you come back now? <laughs> He's probably in Wolverhampton. Uh, we get Hobbs <laughs> versus Keith Lee next. Hobbs impressed me more than Keith Lee did in this one. And I was so taken by Keith Lee and his character and his work when he was feuding with Adam Cole, weirdly enough, for the NXT title. And I'm not saying it's a step short, but with Hobbs, he's got motivation in his eyes. And that is, is is even bigger. Uh, and after the match, Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland fought outside. The FTW champion sent his role through a table with a Rochambeau 
and Team Taz then teamed up to beat down Lee and Hobbs speared him through a table. This was a good stuff there. And then April 6th, Dynamite, we start with a pay-per-view quality match between Adam Cole and Christian. The crowd was hot. Cole hooking the rope with his leg to counteract an attempted kill switch, poking the eyes, and followed up with a boom made uh, for a great finish that put over his ring in-ring awareness and his ability to cheat to go undetected. Uh, but there'll be no cheating uh, when he challenges Hangman to pay for the AW World title in a Texas death match. So, Jaxie, first time ever one-on-one meeting between Christian and Adam Cole, and boy, did they deliver. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I knew this was going to naturally be a good match, just in terms of both wrestlers are amazing at what they do in, as individuals. Seeing them get in the ring, you were very much right, James. I even said this to Gina, like, this is actually a pay-per-view type match. We, should, we are so lucky we're getting this on, like, free TV right now, rather than, or, you know, maybe free TV for America, not for us, you have to pay for a five we can watch it on ITV, it's fine. It's... Yeah, but I'm not waiting until Saturday for it. I get everything ru- ruined for myself straight away. But yeah, it, it, again, this match, it actually shocked me more than I thought it would with how good it was. But Christian, he's, he's, he's continuously showing and proving how much he still has it. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, Christian looks the same as he did <laughs> you know, i'm talking about 15 years ago talk about, talk about the hardies you know yeah bit of bit of uh you know mileage so to speak same with edge christian just knows yeah. 2005 called and they want christian back like that's that's how good he looks we're not giving him back no way he's doing way too well up back up here so let's leave him where he is and not put him back down with a, with the other company who just didn't really appreciate the talents that he could bring. Right. Well, up next, and this is weird as well, Samoa Joe in AEW. Now, the Dubinar podcast started Joe Watch for Jared back in 2015 when we started watching NXT. I would never have thought that that man would have moved to AEW at this point in time. But then again... I've just seen Adam Cole versus Christian, so a lot can happen in a short space of time. Uh, the smiling submission machine dismantled Max Caster and qualified for the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, but Caster did rap about Joe's time as NXT champion. said we beat him in the ratings when he was their champ. Um, I love Joe and the cockiness. And you spoke about Miro. Miro versus Samoa Joe. Book it. Simple. Oh my god, hell yes. Take my money for that yes. match. I will I'll pay yes. for the ring myself if that needs to be the case. You know, just double or nothing. Miro versus Joe, I'm in. You know, it's as simple as that. Yep, give that to us. Give it, take my money. Well, what else was given to us was the Battle of the Shawns as Dean battled Spears. Uh, Dean rolled up Spears and Wardlow destroyed a security team MGF on commentary. Now, MGF, I've got a love-hate relationship with him uh, because I sometimes he's lowest commerce denominator. But he did call Tony an old prick, which made me laugh. So i got to like it. I like it. Spears... No, that really made me laugh out loud. Like, really laugh out loud. I wasn't expecting it. And all you hear is, you're a real prick sometimes. 
Tony Tony's commentary on MJF though is also gold. Like he just he just yeah. literally sounds like that disappointed uncle that he's related. He can't believe he's related to this piece of trash. Like that's the way that it feels whenever you hear him on commentary talk about MJF. It's brilliant. Well, I'm another th- <laughs> his music was playing, and Tony turned around and said, "Oh, dipshit!" And I just lost it. I absolutely lost it. And also Excalibur with the, I mean, I've, I don't even watch American TV, but the rat in the kitchen. And every time MJF's on the screen and they bring it up, and I just think it's excellent. Yeah. You know, it just makes sense. Well, wait, didn't MJF actually even comment on that? I was like, why are you bringing that up when I'm, I'm here at commentary, Excalibur? <laughs> Very smart on his end. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Wendy Kingston Santana Ortiz brawled with the Jericho Appreciation Society, chasing them out of the arena. And they called for the foes for a six-man tag match next week in New Orleans. Jade Cargill, we've not mentioned her hardly at all, is sick of MMA rejects, which got a huge pop. Uh, 30-0 is coming. And then, well, you knew the tables match between the Hardys and the Butcher and the Blade was doomed early when Jeff failed to actually go through a table. Uh, Butcher's departure came in a bet spot through the table with a side effect. Uh, JR called this bowling shoe ugly. Uh, Jeff took a big bump via Swanton off the top of the ladder, driving Blade through the table for the win. But Jeff was eliminated, so it shouldn't have counted. But hey, what what are we going to do? The problem load... Hey, the rules for this was re- really confusing because I didn't understand how Jeff got the win no. there either. But you cannot ask Matt and Jeff to take the and the high risks in tables and ladder matches like it was 2000. You will end up breaking yeah. them. And and that's not a joke about broken hardies. I just I, I just want them to look after their health. And, you know, Jeff's only been part of AEW for, you know, not even the good half, better half of like two months. And he's already gone through so many tables um, or not gone through a table. Um, I just, you know... It doesn't have to be every week that they're going through a table. Let them just have a decent, normal match where we can just see their talent, where they're not, you know, risking breaking any bones. Yeah, right. Well, up next, a more aggressive, no-nonsense Julia Hart, who we've seen to this point reared her head and attacked uh, Hiroko Ishida for the opening bell of their own Hart Foundation Women's Tournament qualifier match. That's a mouthful. Despite a very game form from Hart, Ishida scored the win with a Falcon Hour finisher. Now, this is not being facetious, who can help me? What happened to the deep rivalry? Has it been on dark or elevation, or has it not been featured at all? I think like the last we saw, like she came out during the end of that match, right? Yes, yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. Oh yeah, she was. There was a big feud going on, and it's like, but what's yeah, happened in the fair, first two months? They didn't really explain where Deeb's gone because she has been present, but they didn't really explain where Deeb. Deeper's been. Like, it's not exactly like. Yeah, um, but Shida's only been back for what, like two, three weeks because she got injured again by Deep again, remember? Because she like bloated up her knee with that kind yeah, of. Yeah, but yeah, she, yeah, but that's what I mean. She came, she came back during one of Deep's squash matches. Mm. But then, yeah, like this is like the first time that we're seeing Deep like since then. Revolution, isn't it? I like, just think that they're doing really like long, st- long term storytelling with those two. I think they're just dragging it out super long. And, and, but... that, and that's fine, considering that is exactly what we were just saying at the beginning yeah. of this, like to invest yeah. in in feud. But like, 
have have them turn up every week so we can remember oh yeah they're in a feud you know with it being like a couple weeks of just seeing just Sheeta you start to forget that she did have a feud you know yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, so I want to actually point out and give kudos to Julia Hart because I think that was probably her best match for Sheeta well, again, speaking about long-term storytelling, whether you want, since the black mist to the face of Judy Hart, it's been a bit of a, you know, pouting at ringside, sitting on the stairs, and we've seen a bit more aggression. Yes, it's taken mm. four or five months, but at least we're getting a little something there. But again, a little something is just not enough now. When it first started, mm. you know, a year or two, you could be like, okay, there's no excuse for it now. There's no excuse to have I two can't... women's matches on Dynamite, you know, or three segments. Is that yeah, kind of like I, just, I, I just kind of like feel like, especially when it comes to even this this potential team up with the House of Black with Julia. Just you know, if if you're gonna do it, then do it. Like, don't get me wrong. Again, we love the storytelling, we love the story building, but you have done nothing with this. She's still wearing an eye patch, whereas Pack and Penta have both been misted in the face and come back from it. Yeah. So it's like, make it make sense, like. So I will be a huge fan actually if she ends up converting to the House of Black um, after having what what has been done to her to her. But it, you're losing that momentum, you know. You're you're losing that. Like there, there's a lot of people out there who go, oh, I forgot that she got missed. Yeah. You know. So it's like if you're going to do something with her in the House of Black, which I I I like to think that they were going to because from the match itself with the eye patch on, it looked like she had a little bit of similar makeup that Alistair Black had or, or has wow. over his eye. And, you know, that could have been just a bit of like tomfoolery or just a bit of fun from her end. But I like to think that it actually was a bit of long-term storytelling. So you need to make it consistent. Otherwise, people are just going to forget. Yeah, she was missed ages ago, wasn't she? Oh, well, yeah, she's got an issue yeah. with the boys or whatever. You know, like, it's, it's carry it on. It's, it's like what we are saying about Deeb. Well, it's like Ruby Soho, like, where is she at the moment? I know she showed up on Dynamite after a while, but it's like, where has she been? And even some like Kip Sabian, who's been in the crowd with that box on his head. How many people know he's got that box yeah. on his head? You know, like, how many people you actually know, know? I didn't know that until Daxi told me. Yeah, yeah but it was, it was James who told me. <laughs> James told me. I didn't know who it was under there. So I, I honestly thought to myself, though, it's got to be someone because of, like like, someone connected to the company because of the fact that AEW are not going to let a, one, a randomer, like a random fan just sitting there with the box on its head that's way too distracting, you know, so it, I knew it was someone, I just didn't know it was Kip Sabian, but yes, it would be nice to see him back as well, him and Penelope Ford I thought Penelope Ford was getting um, a lot better in the ring um, and was kind of enjoying seeing her in different um, matches, but yeah, she's kind of gone quiet herself it's like, Tony, don't forget about all of these people that you actually still have, that people are still invested in, yeah. and yet we haven't seen them in so long. Yeah, this is the thing, and it's, again, it's easy to say, well, why are you not using them? But in his head, he's going, well, if I announce a surprise, and it's like a huge announcement, this dynamite, a surprise wrestler joining. But it's after a while, you can't have too many massive announcements of wrestlers joining. Even with like, the amount of releases now, there's not that many wrestlers that can make uh, an impact, so to speak, as a surprise. And we're looking at with uh, next week's Dynamite. But it's interesting times. The main event of this Dynamite was FTR versus Young Bucks 2. And this was a superbly wrestled match, completely unlike their first encounter. Why? Well, because the FTR 
were baby faces. The crowd in Boston was completely into everything Dax and Cash did, culminating with them doing a vicious BTE trigger to Matt, planting kisses on his cheek, and the Bucks and Adam Cole, and finished them off with the big rig. Um, top, top quality. Uh, Dax and his hot tag as well. I mean, honestly, Gina, this was amazing. Yeah, for sure. It was amazing. Like I said a bit earlier about FTR, they just, every time they come out, they seem to pull out something that I, that wows me. And even in this match, you know, again, the, everyone says the Young Bucks are the best and people say FTR are the, are the best. They both proved why they have both been compared to that in that ring. That match was so good, pay-per-view worthy. It's worth watching again. There's just so many things that you wouldn't notice about that match when you watch it a second time around. And it, it, yeah, definitely go and watch it if you haven't seen it because it's such a good, a good match between them. I will always be behind their matches. And if they give us a round three at some point in the future, I'll be there throwing my money waiting for it. Yeah, without that. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, I was hearing after this match how good the Briscoes versus FTR was from Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. Uh, and I actually watched it, and I got to say the Briscoes and FTR better, a real, a true tag team classic. So if they need to get a chance to watch the Briscoes versus FTR as well from Ring of Honor, and again, completely different style of match. But like we talked about earlier, FTR just so so good at what they do. And then Rampage April eight, Freegal joined commentary for Brian and Dan- Brian Danielson even beating Trent Barrett in a good matchup. Dan Housen tried to curse Hook. Tay and Sammy are turning heel. Poor Scorpio Sky. Uh, Swerve beat QT. Red Velvet beat Willow Nightingale in the Iona Hart Cup. And the main event, it was Moxley versus Willie Utah. Uh, Utah stayed in the fight for the most part, but Moxley busted him open by throwing him to steel stairs. Uh, Utah managed to kick out the paragraph shift twice, but was unable to keep himself from passing out to a rear naked choke. This was an absolute barn burn of a match and a fantastic way to close the show. Brian and Regal showed respect and Utah got a shake. Um, I just thought this was brilliant. Jaxie, what do you think of this matchup? Oh, this is definitely by far my favourite of um, that to come out of uh, Utah and uh, Moxie. Just those two, uh, you know... He brought it really hard with with Danielson, but yeah, it was very much more like animalistic watching both him go against uh, Mox. I, the match went so hard. It's probably been my, my favorite match of Utah's. Um, and I, I, I think that if, if this didn't solidify what a talented wrestler uh, Utah is, then, then you know, you can't convince, convince anyone because this match was just amazing. It went hard. The to have the capacity to keep up with the likes of John Moxley, who has been doing this for a lot longer and on a lot more of um, mainstream events that than the likes of Wheeler Utah, I thought Wheeler did amazing. Um, he kept up with him. He had quick pace about him. He had this real quick agility that kind of reminded me of Brian Danielson watching him against uh, John Moxley uh, in this match and just you know how fast, like just at a whim. That, that Brian uh, Danielson could go. I, I felt that come from Wheeler Utah. Overall, I just I couldn't take my eyes off the match because I was too worried that I was going to miss something. It was really good. 
Well, the thing is, you know, and some people fans of certain wrestlers for a very long time, and you know, it's great when it's old people jumping on the bandwagon this wrestler. But what I love is when a wrestler steps out or steps up, and you go, "I wasn't expecting that, but now you've got my attention." And that's exactly what you really mm. to did. It's exactly the match. I mean, Mox gave him. I like was talk about what uh, Danielson did in the match with, with Utah. Gave him the chance to kick out of those two paragraph shifts. And the first one was an amazing enough kick out. The second one, the crowd was absolute crazy. And was actually disappointed that Moxley won. Which again, just shows the storytelling on show. And now, you know, people question, well, why is Utah with Moxley and Brian? Well, just watch the match. And as Mox says, you bleed together, you can fight together. So, you know, it's it's very simple story. And it's one of the shining lights in AEW especially this month for these six episodes as it was. And speaking of it, we are on our last Dynamite, April 13th, and we start with CM Punk. He wants the world title and has been moving up the rankings, and a half-foot win over Penta helps. Great-looking finish with Punk catching Penta for the GTS. And there was a slight boss on the top with Punk selling the knee, uh, but I wasn't that worried. Gina, did you shit yourself when Punk came off looking injured? <laughs> Thought, no. Yeah, of course. Like I thought, no, there we go again, another one out. Damn it! <laughs> but no, I was, I was, I was a bit worried. I'm always worried whenever I see bumps and stuff like that, and hope that once they get behind and get checked out, that they're cleared. So, but it was kind of worrisome for a hot set. Right. And what do you think of CM Punk going for gold? Do you think that's the right decision? I mean, yeah, of course, we all want to see it. His fans want it. I think we definitely need to do it at some point. So why not now? You know, he's he's done great in terms of elevating people since joining and having you know, one-off feuds here or there. So I definitely think like maybe at some point this year, it should be time for a punk to go for it. He, he probably won't be wrestling for the next, you know, 10 years. So it's not like we can wait and long it out. So yeah. I think if he's, <laughs> if he's, if he's in his best condition, he is in now, you may as well do it now. No, exactly. Like I said, he's he's not uh, he's not the women's division. He's not a tag team in AEW. So, like I said, they need to do it now. We can't wait uh, for this exactly. moment in time. And speaking of tag team, the AEW tag team gold line as Jurassic Express retained against Red Dragon. So I guess dinosaurs do beat dragons. <laughs> um, this was a good tag match. That was a bad joke. But the hills attacking with chairs after. <laughs> um, do, do Red Jaxie, do Red Dragon. I know they're fighting for championship gold, but they're one and two at the moment in AEW. So do they need to start picking up wins before they try and go for the gold again? Uh, definitely. Um, I, I also think that they just kind of need to... <clears throat> I, like, I feel like they got chucked straight into a feud the minute that they joined. And that is specifically because, obviously, Adam Cole was the first to join... He, of course, is part of their faction. So, of course, as soon as they come into AEW, it's going to be surrounding Adam Cole and whatever feud he's got going on. But I think we just need to actually see some real classic tag team brawling, you know, come from these two. Uh, Right now, they're only feuding with those that Adam Cole is feuding with. Uh, We need to see more of them just genuinely trying to pick up the wins to go go for the belt. I think about that. Well, FDR made the save there to show they are the faces. And then MJF versus Sean Dean was next. 
I couldn't see Dean because of the camo, which is a good strategy, actually. I never really thought about that. Imagine coming in dressed as a canvas and just, like, not lying, trying to get me before you did. I think it'd work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of disguise, Wardlow nicked his security guy's T-shirt and went after MGF, only to be stopped by security eventually. MGF was counted out. But what a moment that revealed. I mean, again, simple storytelling. MJF, cocky. Uh, backing off into the barricade and Wardlow whipping off the hat and being right behind him. It's a great visual. And the crowd are loving it at the moment, aren't they? It really is. Like, you don't really... This is when storytelling is just done right because sometimes these things work, you know? Like, um, I'm pretty sure Don Callis kind of did this as well with with the camera. You know, like, he pretended he was a cameraman. Yes. Or or maybe it was someone else. No, I was right, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, with... uh, uh, yeah, with, yeah, make of, of, of yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, um, and it worked really well there. So when I saw uh, the giant, massive guy <laughs> behind MJF, like it, it took me a while to think that, like, I knew Wardlow was going to get me get involved. I didn't know in what aspect, and then like, kind of just seeing it cut to that camera angle, I was like, oh my gosh, that is Wardlow. And even though it could be seen as the oldest trick in the book. It actually still was so funny and so good and made Wardlow come across, again, as the biggest baby face ever. So I thoroughly enjoyed this match. And I, I hate to say it, but I love what MJF brings out in other wrestlers because of how much of a dick he is, you know? My, my only thing with, with this is, again, if he says to Wardlow, right, you can face me at double or nothing, but you have to be these four or five guys it's very similar to the CM Punk and very similar to the Chris Jericho feud but again that's what exactly, makes yeah. MJF such an asshole where he puts people in harm's way so again balancing that yeah it does it does kind of add towards what I like to call his pussy act which is I need him I need this man softened up so I'm gonna make him go through each one of my men you know um it will be just very interesting one day to see how no one takes his shit anymore and he's got no one to actually uh, face these men in matches and actually deal with the the issues himself. That will be fun one day. Yeah, and the thing is, even with Sean Spears, and I know people might like him, but I think he's got something about him, obviously, you know, Ty Dinnager and everything like that in the past. But even yeah. that term with MJF, I mean, it's probably not going to be main event level as popular as Wardlow, but it still be quite entertaining to see Maybe MJF can actually win one when he breaks up, you know, as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never know. going to happen. Uh, but the Jericho appreciation site was in action with Jericho, Hager and Garcia battling Santana Ortiz in Kingston and the old bat in the back routine got victory for the Hills. Um, the fans slept whilst Marina Shafir made a dynamite debut. She made quick work of Sky Blue, but she ain't going to be no threat to Jade Cargill. And then hometown hero... And FTW champion Ricky Starks entered the arena to a thunderous ovation as he and Powerhouse yeah. host back Swerve Strickland in a match weeks in the making. A match energetic and fun with great performances from Strickland and particularly Starks. So all the hills go over from interference from Tan. There's nothing about the match though it felt at the end of a feud between the two teams, especially with Hobbs scoring a win for his team over Lee. But Gina, I've got to ask you, why didn't Ricky Starks get the pin? In his hometown, eh? Disgusting. 
<laughs> I mean, come on, it's common courtesy at this point. <laughs> but I, I don't know. The thing is that I, I am biased when it comes to him. But it was, it generally was an overall great match. I really enjoyed it. They both brought their A game, and it definitely is not over between these two like teams of people. Um, and I've been really enjoying, you know, even just the one-off feuds, you know, between Swerve and Starks and Hobbs and uh, uh, Keith Lee. So it's just good to just see them get featured more and more now because they did take a bit of a backpedal and a bit of a losing streak. So it's nice to kind of see them show their dominance again a little bit. Um, but Ricky just got a massive pop and I didn't realise he was that popular, especially in his hometown. So it's really nice to see. And it's something that I'm even still learning as a fan of his. So, yeah, it was really nice. And it's Plus, even... I just want to say, I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. So... Yeah. I should go there and then marry him. But even the story they were telling of Ricky Starks, you know, having to be moved, the house was destroyed in Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that. It set in mm. a case of Ricky baby face, you know? As soon as Team mm. Taz don't want him anymore. And obviously not like Brian Cage, we're gonna do it right this time. Uh but again yeah. <laughs> it's safe to work on. And Jaxi, can you please tell AEW mm. that cake to the face didn't work for Tony Storm and Charlotte, and it's not going to be a good idea for Nyla and Thunder Rosa. Yeah, um, no, this whole thing wasn't needed. If you're going to go ahead and like, you know, I get it. They were just trying to set that up so that she accidentally hit uh, Vicky. But do you know how much you could have just done it where Vicky is like chatting shit behind Thunder Rosa and Thunder Rosa just moves out of the way? Yeah. You know, like, they're, they're simple things. I, uh, again, like you rightly said, um, I just don't think pie in the face or cake in the face works. Like, you know, even regardless as to what Chris Jericho says, this isn't meant to be an entertaining company. It's supposed to be sports first. It's sports entertaining. So let's not, not continuously go all slapstick with the cake in the face thing. I mean, let's leave that to... WWE, they they do love that. They do love that trope quite a lot. They do that at Thanksgiving. How dare you, AEW have done it last. So you need to live with that right now. Yeah. And the next cake in the face in WWE, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that on my shoulders. All right? Let's just say... Oh, what? Well, if, if we ever meet up, I might owe you a cake in the face. You never know. Imagine that. Imagine if we both caked each other. As soon as we oh met. My <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That would be so funny. It's either going to be that, or it's going to be a Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, two beers in each hand, smash it, and then down it with, with one another. It's going to be one or the other. Watch this face, guys, and then you'll you'll eventually find out how we greet one another. It's either going to be by a Stone Cold Steve Austin, or it's going to be pie to the face. For the first time ever. I mean, I'm going to but... bring my umbrella. I'm going to bring my umbrella like under it. What are you on about, sis? I'm using you as my human shield. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> well, we'll talk about human shields. It would have helped in this main event of Dynamite with Samoa Joe versus Minazora Suzuki. Uh, Ring of Honor World oh. Television Championship on the line. This, to say this was a physical battle, would be a little bit of an understatement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe managed to get the win with the muscle buster and the champion. Great match. We'll talk about the match in a second. But the, we've got to speak about it. It's the elephant in the room. It is Satnam Singh, the former NBA player 
who showed up when the lights went out and came back on and they shit all over him. They did not like it. It wasn't a good idea. Um, again, it was a hard-hitting main event, but the fans hated the surprise, and it didn't work. You know, it's got to be... No, it didn't. Sorry, I was agreeing with you there. They got it so... How did they get it so wrong? I don't know, but I, I kind of... I, like, I, I'm not into uh, American basketball, so... Honestly, apart from the the more famously known uh, basketballers, and I only know them sort of like through, unfortunately, through things like you know Space Jam and stuff like that. I I had no clue who this guy was, and even though he was super tall, and I was like, this guy is a giant, he's a beast. At the same time, I didn't get excited because I heard nothing from the crowd. Yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> like. It's awful. Have I put NXT on for a second? Like that's how bad the finish was. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of that, to be honest. Um, like there, there, there's bigger times when it works, but for some reason, I felt like you know the blackout as well just was exceedingly long for a blackout, and I, I, I just couldn't help but like you know sarcastically be like, "Well, Malachi Black could have come out quicker then." But the thing is, though. Yeah. Tony Khan uh, said that, um, yes, it's ownership of his error, you know. He said that the customer is always right and takes the blame for being wrong. And he says, look, his, the reason why he was wrong is because he listened to a man with 30 years' experience tell him to do the lights out, um, which was basically Mark Henry. So Tony Khan blamed Mark Henry, which... Is really? A, honest oh, to goodness. Sorry, Tony. He really what? did. <laughs> he said, I don't know what said to happen. He said, I agree with the fans. I'm not going to say, you know, Mark Henry's open, uh, hosted an open uh, with Dave near Garcia. And he actually admitted he was wrong. And Tony Cow uh, plows on by saying, well, thanks for saying that, Mark. He said, I know it could work, but sometimes it can't. You've got 30 years experience. The lights can go on or off. Uh, but I should maybe not agree with you next time. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm not, I am not claim, I'm not going to go ahead and blame this on Mark Henry. Tony, you own that fucking company. So take responsibility for when shit doesn't go right. So instead of actually trying to even lay the blame or sideline it by being like, I listen to a man of 30 years, a veteran of 30 years. Well, if that's the case, then every time you fuck up, you should probably just hand off your your company to someone else if you're not going to accept the blame. Mm. So I'm sorry, I feel like that's a bitch ass move from Tony's end to just like allow Mark Henry to pick up the blame for that. Yes. That's it. it ultimately, yes. the the decision still ended with him. It was yes. Tony who said yes. So like he rightly says, maybe you shouldn't listen to Mark. Maybe you should actually, you know, listen to to those veterans but then also give your two cents. You could have easily listened to Mark Henry and gone, mm, I don't think that's going to work well this time, but thanks for the idea. That's all you need to say, right? But trying to be like, yeah, thanks for taking the blame on that one, Mark. That was a bitch move. It just... Own up. You're the, the owner. The warning sound, the warning light is there flat. That's what I'm saying. The whoop, whoop, whoop. It's like, yeah. 
it's there. And if we don't pay attention to it in a couple of years' time, we're going to have this kind of deranged individual <laughs> who has got right. control of professional yeah. wrestling, you know. Um, yeah, so... and just making, like, really bad decisions. I think that it, I, I don't want this to become a regular where it feels like Tony is placing blame elsewhere other than himself for for the smallest of things as well, you know. that They tried something here. It didn't work. There's not really any blame to be placed on anyone. Um, but just take the, neg- the negative comment and just uh, do better next time. Yeah, there's or, no, or, there's no or, need, like, or... Say, or do what I do. And after 417 episodes, the stuff they really don't like, bring back just to spite them. And that's what to the listeners. You see, you don't want this segment. It's going to come back. Yep. <laughs> do it. <laughs> it, keeps them, it keeps them keen that, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you can complain about this. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, like I said... Stuff does happen. Shows might not be good as other shows or whatever it is, but when you've got to do it weekly or whatever it is, you can't then just be like, oh, last week's show was bad because of Monty. You know, you've got to take like yeah. I said, ownership in it and go, well, maybe it was because of a variant of factors, but it's not going to help pointing the finger. We just move on and be like, exactly. right, what's happening next time? You know, it's simple. Exactly. He could have easily, you know, just kind of like discussed it and ended the sort of conversation with, the, with it saying, look, we tried something, it didn't really go down well, so we'll, we'll do something different next time, you know, but you're never going to get there without trial and error, and everyone in natural day, their natural daily lives trial, trial and error things. Yeah. So, no one's trying no one's trying to place blame but Tony at this point. <laughs> yeah, Tony <laughs> he did it! He did it! It's not Tony, we didn't say that. We're just asking, do you want an ice cream? No, he did it! Like uh, Anyway, yeah. last... <laughs> Last Rampage, April 15th, and it kicked off with Danielson heading to the ring to team with Moxley and Willie Utah against the Arse Boys. Sorry, the Gun Club, Billy, Colton and Austin. Danielson actually spent several minutes on defence before he was able to bring in Moxley and Utah to help take out three guns. After surviving a couple of power moves, the newest member of BCC put the Patriot of the Gun Club away to score the win. This was good. And when I used to watch the Attitude Era back in the day... To think Billy Gunn, the King of the Ring of 1999, would be losing to Willie Utah would have blown my mind. Um, Sean Spears watched from commentary as a butcher slaughtered some jobber. Ruby Soho, remember her? Versus Robin Renegade. Um, it looked like Soho and but Robin's twin sister, Charlotte, sneakily took her place in a match. The ruse almost worked. Soho was able to score the win in the end, earn himself a spot in the tourney. What do you think of this then, Twin Magic? Oh, yes, I was all on for it. <laughs> I was here for it, but for me, I don't think that you should have used that tactic unless it was going to help you win. It was, yeah, it just I felt a bit... Yeah, yeah it because felt that way, you... because like, even that didn't help you win. The ref's like, just going to tip know, under the ring. Do you remember when the Bellows did it? And they actually won from that. And it was such a fluke win that, like, you know, it really brought the crowd wanting to see more, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Back then, we didn't know that, that Brie was a twin and Brie was the first one in. Um, but it still would have worked really well if they, if the, if uh, Robin Renegade had won because of her sister, the, the thanks to her sister. Um, and I also don't think that that would have harmed 
uh, Ruby Soho if she had lost like that. But I guarantee you they didn't do it because they obviously they want big names all in the tournament. But like this is the one thing that's making me eye roll a little bit because I'm starting to already be able to see like sort of the hierarchy when it comes to their women. So when you're telling me that we got Sky Blue versus Tony Storm, do do I think Tony Storm's winning? Yeah, or it was Sky Blue versus uh, Jamie Hater. Sorry, um, you know, like let some of these uh, like some of these female wrestlers that have been on Dark and Elevation let one of them actually get a bit of a push and like that's the reason why we do these tournaments now and this would have been the perfect opportunity for Robin or Starla either one of them if they were getting um go- going into the tournament this would have been a great way to showcase them you know I kind of hope that Charlotte Renegade is going to have a match with someone and they use this twin magic idea again but this time they win because of it you know um I would actually like to see at least one of the twins get through and they they continuously use this tactic because that is the whole reason why they're they're together in a wrestling company. They're twins, and they've chosen to do this at the same time. So why not take full advantage of of them using their their twin magic? Yeah, I think excellent, excellent point there. And anybody would know anyway. So the main event of the <laughs> evening was arguably one of the biggest matches in Rampage short hitch history. Hangman Adam Page put the AW World Championship. On the line against Adam Cole, baby, in a Texas death match. Both men introduced chairs to the ring for the bell even rang. So you knew it was going to be a traditional wrestling match. Uh, we saw <laughs> lots of spots mixing in. They used tables, chairs, still stairs, barricade, a chain. That chain clothesline where Cole used on page. Fucking yeah, brilliant. That looks devastating. That. Uh, it looks really, really devastating. <laughs> Did, did anybody else feel like we're watching a Stone Cold Steve Austin origin story, watching Paige drink beer and beat Adam Cole around the arena? Just think, hey, boy, in 40, 30 years' time, you'll be doing this at Mania. Like, that's so... I mean, <laughs> if you turn out to be the person. next Stone Cold with the, with the beer, then I kind of don't mind that, because if it's kind of become a trope, a trait of uh, Hangman's now, um, and I love it. I actually love it. I, if I was in the crowd, I would have poured the beer and handed it Hangman himself and probably just asked him for the cup back when he's done. Yeah, well, both men were bruised and bloody uh, before we even got to the halfway point. We see a buckshot lariat, Paige tried a tying Cole to the top rope with his belt and retrieved a chair covered in barbar, which we did see beforehand, but we all pretended we didn't see it until the right moment. However, he opted not to use it and try and win by more honourable means. Cole made him pay for that decision with a low blow and a couple of super kicks. Um, before we get to the end, I should say, the super kick Cole caught Page with to the outside, I think cut open his jaw as well. And the mm. bat breaker on the chairs, when the chairs are oh back my- to back, it is... I've only seen Cole take that one or two times. It's so uncomfortable to watch. Uh, yeah, it really is. And I genuinely was just saying to myself, I really, really hope he's not going to have, like, you know, a, a, a back problem already. Just from that one move, that move looked so devastating to his back. Even my back was crying watching it. Honestly, yeah. You wince. You wince when you watch it. You go, fucking hell. Um, unbelievable. And then Paige... Wrapping the barbed wire, a barbed wire crown at Easter. Jesus Christ! Dead eye through the table. Uh, yeah. And so Paige retained. 
Uh, Gina, what did you think of this mental matchup? It was great. It was entertaining. It was all over the place. And yeah, I think it was, it was a brilliant match to watch. I didn't think that Adam Cole was going to win it. So I wasn't surprised with the ending, but it was still a great match because there were certain points that I was like, oh, oh gosh, has, has Cole got this? Shit. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a great match. Um, but I definitely think that, like, Cole's time with the belt isn't yet. His yeah. time will come, but it's not It's not right now. It's still a hangman, hangman Page's time. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But a fantastic way to, uh, well, a fantastic match on Rampage, where, you know, <laughs> weirdly enough. Uh, but they did have Battle of the Belts 2, uh, April 16th, with AEW seemingly not caring about these specials. We did start with a TNT title match between Scorpio Sky and Sammy G. Guevara building momentum. It's clear much of the crowd had turned against him, much like we said. Paige Van Sant got a bit of a pop when she ran down to fight Conti. Uh, Sky hit a poke to the eye behind the referee's back, but Guevara hit a low blow, followed by his finisher for the pin and the win. Uh, the Spanish got regained the team title, and a lot of fans did not seem happy about it. Um, Sky was undefeated for 402 days and apparently we were hearing Tony Khan had planned this a year in advance so why the fuck did they do this here? Jaxie, what were your thoughts on the match, the total change and the treatment of Sky? I was just, I was honestly just about to ask you this, are you actually fucking kidding me? Tony planned for a whole year for this great streak that Scorpio Sky had just to like get Caused to lose from a low blow by a, a, a heel turning Sammy Guevara. Are you fucking serious? Like, why did you have him win it? Like, honestly, that this treatment of Scorpio Sky has actually pissed me off quite a lot. And I think it is because of the fact that we didn't even get a decent run, and yet this. I'm sorry, but this fucker has actually won the belt what three times now. Three times, yeah. Like, this time. is your this yeah. is your third run. This is your third run, Sammy. And you've not kept the belt more than four months. So, like, why are you having another go with it again? Just because of, like, that solidified your heel turn, all you had to do was keep making out with Ty on, on stage and we would have all just treated you like a heel anyway. Like, honestly, this pissed me off, James. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm just really pissed off. And I'm, I'm feeling gutted for Scorpio's guy because I don't believe that he should have lost there. No, of course you shouldn't. You know, there's no plan, no rhyme or reason. Even if Sammy as a hill will work, there's no point sacrificing Scorpio Sky. And with all this supposedly long-term storytelling, there should be things in place. Or, or, or you know, what happens next to Scorpio? What, does he get the title back now? You know, what is it about? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, is, was this an excuse to turn Scorpio's guy back to the face? Because if yeah. you were going to do that, then get rid of Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert has got like the filthiest mouth ever, so he's never going to be taken seriously as a face if he has the likes of Dan La- Lambert with him. But yeah, taking the belt off of him and giving it back to Sammy after Sammy lost it, what, two, three weeks ago? Oh, God. Eye roll. Like, this, this did nothing for me. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's so weird, and they're trying to make Sammy Guevara into like the new Cody. That's, that's all I'm getting off this, watching, you know, with yeah, the but album you, as a hill, but... He was easily doing that himself. Like, you didn't need to actually then go ahead and just... And and do the do, do, do the dirty on Scorpio Sky like this. Like, I get it, you want to turn him heel. 
You didn't need to do it here. You really didn't. Well, we'll move on to Jonathan Gresham versus Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor World Championship. If you haven't seen Dalton Castle, you have missed out. People will get pissy, uh, but his tongue is firmly in his, his cheek, <laughs> as it was. And <laughs> I've got no problem with this. You know, Gorgeous George was a wrestler back in the day who was one of the biggest stars of his generation because of this kind of, you know... Uh, pomp and circumstance. You know, you look at wrestlers like Macho Man, Randy Savage, and uh, people out there, there's nothing wrong. Look at WrestleMania with a spectacle that it is. That is what wrestling is all about. I will take your pissy emails now. Thank you very much. Uh, but this is Tony <laughs> Khan testing Waters for Ring of Honor TV show, basically. He's saying, look, this is what we're going to have. There's probably a number of viewers. Are you happy with it? It was a good fight. Gresham made Castle tap out. And Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt. I am going to actually just add on that and just say that I think that this is a very clever move by Tony. And and that being said is because I'm not very well accustomed to Ring of Honor wrestlers. And I didn't know much about this Dalton uh, character, but I saw him trending quite a lot um, when this match first started. And I thought, I thought to myself, why? Like, what's so special about him? I watched that match and I, I just didn't really want to look away. I thought it was so good and he was so entertaining. I absolutely love his fan base, like running up and down <laughs> whenever it's he's running. It was, just, it was absolutely brilliant. Like it reminded me of like, was it, uh, was it Drew Gulak? It was Drew Gulak, wasn't it? Who was like the, he wasn't he doing it the thing with the Miz where he was being his stunt double or something? Well, Damien so Sandow. Like, that was Damien Sandow. Fucking uh, wow, that is. Uh, <laughs> but like, the, you know, it did remind it reminded me of that because of, I found that very entertaining how he was pretending to take the hit outside of the ring whilst Miz is actually taking the hit in the ring. It was always hilarious, and you know, it worked well because of Miz was like a, a heel, but everyone loved him. So it, yeah. it definitely worked, but it reminded me of that. And I thought Dalton did a great job. Well, without doubt, like I said, and if Tony can get Ring of Honor on, this is the type of talent uh, we're going to see and definitely check him out. Like I said, Joe cleared the ring of the hills afterwards. And then our main event and last match to review is the Women's World Championship, Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose. And the challenger immediately asserted her dominance by knocking the champ out of the ring and beating her up at ringside with some help from the barricade. The native beast had the upper hand for several minutes. Uh, Rose would occasionally try to make a comeback, but Nyla would immediately stop her in her tracks. It helped make the champion look like an underdog, which is exactly how it should be released to. We returned from a break. The champion began to build up a head of steam. Nyla still had plenty of offense, but it was no uh, no longer a one-sided battle. And after overcoming several close two counts, Rosa scored the win with the Hurricane Runner. Gina, you have the pleasure to review the last match. What did you think? Well, it was a great match. I mean, I I do enjoy both Nyla and Thunder Rosa, and they do know how to entertain and put on a good match. I don't think they built a storyline up well enough for people to be that invested in this match. So I don't think a lot of people thought Nyla would win it. So in terms of, like, the shock factor of the outcome, I don't think, like, that was actually there, like, with the crowd. But they were all still behind them, you know, and... Thunder Rosa's got such a good backing of fans that they're always hyped for her. So, yeah, I think they carried the, the match well. I enjoyed it. I think I think Nyla needs a, not a revamp of her character, but she definitely needs a change in something because 
Nyla's become that standard kind of go-to person. Every time there's a new champion, Nyla's the first one to be challenging for it. Um, and I get it because she kind of was one of the first two AEW champs, but still, it, she's become a bit of a recurring theme. So in that sense, um, I do feel like either Ny- Nyla needs a bit of an upgrade, she needs a level up in her character, or they just need to kind of actually build a, a better storyline with her involved in some way. Um, but it was still a good match. I enjoyed it, and I I was happy with the outcome. Yeah, we're about to have to be interested to see what challenger or who is the challenger waiting for the Rosa at double or nothing. But that is it. We have gone through six Dynamite, six Rampages, and the Battle of Belts. I won't want to do it tomorrow, but we'll do it again next month. Uh, and so, like I said, that is it. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the Dubinar Podcast. I'm at the Dubinar JR. You can find the entire Dubinar team on our Twitter banner. Or they can plug their own stuff. Jaxie, where can people find you? I mean, if you want to have a continuous discussion about, you know, the many sites, the many faces of Jaxie Scarlett, then please do find me at Jaxie Scarlett on Instagram and Twitter. And Gina? Yeah, if you want to see more Thirst Trap for Ricky Starks, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PurplePaint. The Dublin also on Facebook and Instagram across all Google platforms. Send us an email at Dublin Podcast at gmail.com and YouTube done podcast with all the latest clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube to do SoundCloud on your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Our next episode on the Dublin Art. And I know we've had delays. Please stop emailing me. No, I love your emails, honestly. But I know we've had a little bit of a delay, but our next episode will be NXT Update at the weekend and the next time we're all together it's the big one ladies and gentlemen yes it's what we've all been waiting for the seventh anniversary of the wnr podcast it is going to be huge i'm not going to let everybody details of what we're going to do but we're going to be looking more into the future than the past i'll leave that there for now but until then i've been james rose and i was joined by the fantastic jackie scarlett yeah, I had so much fun. See you all again soon. Bye. And of course, the thirsty Gina. <laughs> yeah, take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, bye. Bye. <laughs>